I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. David Cobb covers college football and basketball for CBS Sports. He's on Twitter at David W. Cobb. Cobb, so Mark is Mark's promoting Tennessee Georgia's game of the year, but I would also like to point out he promoted Tennessee Bama's game of the year. I, I Game not, of the century. What do you mean? This is college football. Big games are games of the century. Of the week. And then three weeks later, there's a new game of the century. So you are at least sticking to that. Here's the thing that I find fascinating. Can Tennessee turn this game into a shootout? Because that is the question for me. Yes. Uh, I, I look at the point total of 66 and, and feel like that's a, a good bet to go over because this Georgia offense is more explosive than Georgia was last season. In fact, if you go and look by total yardage in the country right now, Tennessee, number one, Georgia, number two. I think Georgia is probably somewhat okay with trying to outscore Tennessee because they probably feel like they can do a better job in the red zone defensively against Tennessee than anybody has this season. If they hold Tennessee to some field goals in the red zone, I think Georgia probably believes that Tennessee can't stop it's offense, and, and I think that's probably a, a fair belief because uh, Georgia's offense is really good, and, and Tennessee's defense is, is uh, better than it gets credit for. But yeah, you and I are on the same vulnerable. page on that. So yeah. I watched I watched a little bit of last year's game last night because you know, I'm, I'm sick of It's November. They remember November. I'm sick of losing bets. The thing that I find interesting is that I thought Tennessee at times on defense did a good job of – creating negative plays, and I thought they covered okay. But the thing that I I find interesting, I think this is probably the biggest question, is Tennessee better up front and better equipped to handle Georgia's front last year? Because when I went back and watched it, it's like you realize very – Hendon Hooker just was running for his life, and it felt like Georgia was able to get pressure at will. Yeah, well, here's the difference. It's not necessarily that Tennessee's offensive line – is so much better. It's that Georgia's pass rush is non-existent this year. They rank 120th out of 131 teams in the country in total number of sacks so far this season. They were top five in that category last season. And Georgia just this week learned that Nolan Smith, who is their team leader in sacks, their team leader in tackles for loss, is not going to be available for this game or for the rest of the season due to a torn pectoral muscle. So it's kind of been more of a, hey, let's only rush a few guys, drop seven or eight into coverage, and then try to make teams beat us approach for Georgia's defense this season. And honestly, I don't think that works against Tennessee because 
Hendon Hooker can beat you over the top where he can make the right decision over the middle where he can take off and beat you with his legs. So this is going to be a, a true test of Georgia's defense. It, I am just I, Cobb. I said this earlier. A little disappointed that it's not a one. Yeah, he's two he's matchup. he's hung up that they, they didn't. They didn't it's outrageous, it. to be quite honest. Hey, if we're gonna hey, have if we're gonna have subjective one... rankings, I want subjective storylines created out of them. Well, it is one versus one because Georgia's one in the AP and Tennessee's one in the Cobb, you got me back on board. You got why couldn't we get that on the show last night? Yes. Ah, oh, that that uh, is what I was looking man. for. This company man, yeah. That is what I was looking for, Cobb. One verse one, you've got me back on board. <laughs> I know. I'm a company man. We got we got the first ever on CBS this week. Number one versus number one matchup. It's never happened before. Oh, perfect. How many how many other opportunities have there like how many times is are there different number ones? Like we see it a little bit early in the year. Sometimes when you'll have AP one will be different than the the coaches won, but how often do we get the AP number one different than the college football playoff number one? I feel like that rarely happens. Yeah, I got to be pretty rare. I, I don't know. I can't think of the time off the top of my head, but that's a pretty stark disagreement there because, yeah, I mean, Tennessee is at three, uh, and a lot of AP polls barely crept into that tie for a second with Ohio State, but clear number one in, in the CFP poll. Interesting. I'm I'm glad the AP voters don't decide it now. But are we really certain that the uh, the, the CFP committee is it's any a, more ingenuitive and advanced in their thinking than uh, than the AP voters? Well, and also when you put them up side by side, like there's a little difference here and there, but it's like the tiers are kind of the same. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't understand why TCU is all the way down at seven. Uh, when they arguably have played the toughest schedule of, of anyone the, in this group. Who are the members this year of the committee? Let's see if we got any real football have we got, men. Have we, had, have we gotten rid of – do we have any, like, statesmen or stateswomen so, anymore? I don't know. So, Boo Corrigan is the chair. He's NC State's athletic director. Mitch Barnhart, the Kentucky athletic director, Mitch is on can it. get on a committee. Tom Berman, the athletic director at Wyoming. Rick George, the athletic director at Colorado. Chet Gladchuk, the AD at Navy. That is an all-time name. Oh, here's a good one. Jim <laughs> Jim Grobe, former Wake Grober. Forest head coach, is on the committee. He, I think, uh, he, excuse you, former Baylor interim. Yes, he took. Well, it's, it's funny. He's like best friends with Frank Beamer, and I think he took. He just took Frank uh, Beamer's spot. They play a lot of golf. Yes, Ward Manuel, the Michigan athletic director, is on it. Uh, Will Shields. Just identified as a former All-American offensive lineman from Nebraska. He's there for the Hilton points. I guess so. Gene Taylor, the AD at Kansas State. Joe Taylor, the AD, the Vice President for Athletics and Community Community Wellness at Virginia Union University is on it. What? Yes. John Urschel, a Harvard Junior Fellow and former All-American offensive lineman at Penn State. Rod West the group president of Entergy Corporation and a former Notre oh, Dame linebacker. Glad to see we got some big oil in there. And then Kelly Whiteside, an associate professor in sports media and journalism at Montclair State and a longtime sports writer for USA Today, Sports Illustrated, and Newsday. Is hey. on the- Gross. Gross. And That's quite be the, the committee. First national college sports committee but, with no Condoleezza Rice or Greg Sankey in quite what? some time. But, Where's the Barry Alvarez there? Where's the guy that talks yeah. about establishing the run? It's Jim. It's Jim Grove. But he's not an established the run guy. Yeah, that's true. That's why Tennessee's number one. They air that's it out. a good point. Yeah. They did talk about explosive offense. 
But here's my thing. So I watched the Cover 3 podcast last night afterwards. Oh, Ward Manuel could be class. He's a Bo Schembechler guy. Yeah, but it's not the same when you got – he doesn't have coach. He doesn't have the title. Yeah, that's true. I need someone in there who's who's literally – his name is Coach. <laughs> like, they just call him Coach. Grober, the Grover doesn't feel like that. It feels like, by the way, it feels like Mac Brown is destined to be on this committee in a few was, years whenever he retires. Was he not on it when he was off? No, because he was on TV. Couldn't he, do, he, couldn't, he couldn't do both? <laughs> Could, couldn't carve out time in his busy schedule? Like, how, how is Bob Stoops not on this committee? Stoops is doing cameos. Yeah, Trying he's get, hawking tequila. Yeah, he's, oh, that's a good point. He is hawking. He is selling. He's an Instagram influencer. He's an influencer now. <laughs> But so uh, I was saying I was watching the Cover Three podcast, and I think Canell was getting out of you know he, he was out of sorts about TCU. I still think if TCU goes undefeated, they're going to be fine. Like they're getting in. Like I think TCU's in the same spot that Cincinnati was in last year. I think if they win out and win their league, like they're going to be in. I would hope so, but them being all the way down at seven doesn't lend a lot of confidence to that idea because, honestly, the, the meat of, of TCU's schedule is behind it when you consider the fact that... They got a they, big helmet game next week, though. Yeah, that's true. You know, you, you, Texas, obviously, I guess. <laughs> Texas somehow makes it into the college football playoff rankings as the only three-loss team in the whole deal. So, I guess... But yeah, they did TCU, knock out... They, they ended the SEC trend of having the highest... The SEC only has the highest-ranked one-loss and two-loss team. Highest ranked uh, three loss and team. And no now. loss team. Yeah, and no loss team. But they, yeah, the well, highest... we're just preparing for the fact that Texas is coming to the SEC. That's what I said. It was so, prep. Yeah, it was prep work. Yeah, we're just kind of getting getting ahead of it there. Uh, yeah, TCU, though, I mean, I was like, man, really? We're going to put them behind? Uh, well, we were wondering, yesterday we were wondering, with, I was a little disappointed when I saw 25 and it was UCF. I wanted I wanted a different set of gold helmets. I wanted him to put Notre Dame at twenty five just to start things off spicy. <laughs> hey, cool though that Memphis gets a shot at a at a ranked team this week. I mean, that could kind of that's a nice feather in your cap opportunity. Well, don't you think this also? I think they did set up what we've seen in the past. Unless they're unless it's like overwhelming, kind of default goes to the AAC. I think Tulane being at nineteen and UCF being at twenty five. I think they're kind of establishing. Whoever wins the AAC is probably going to get the bid. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you think about James Madison and Coastal Carolina. We're kind of in the mix there. And I think Coastal is still only a one-loss team. But the way that this AAC uh, standing shapes up right now, I mean, like, yeah, Tulane would be in the driver's seat for a college football playoff bid. Like, how about that? I'm sure like, the that's... Cotton Bowl would be thrilled about having <laughs> Tulane at the Cotton Bowl. Oh, my Lord. Like Memphis brought a ton of fans to the combo. I just can't see Tulane, that little a little school like Tulane. I'm sure there'll be a lot of fans, but like ten thousand people. Well, what is what is doesn't Yulman Stadium only hold like twenty eight thousand people? Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it's like a. I mean, it's, it's a it's, it's a nice stadium. It's, yeah, it's a nicer version of that Kent State Stadium yeah. we were referencing <laughs> earlier. Um, you can hear the metal squeaking. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, we're talking to David Cobb from CBSSports.com. He covers college football and college basketball. Wanted to switch course, David, and talk some hoops with you. Uh-huh. Tigers are playing Vanderbilt on Monday. I thought it was interesting you guys had your top 101 players uh, come out yesterday, and Memphis had two in the top 50. Kendrick Davis at number nine, DeAndre Williams at number 47. Um 
now that we're sitting here five days away from the start of the regular season, do you have any thoughts about – my, my gut seems to be if those two guys can stay healthy, this is going to be a pretty good team. Um, your thoughts on what, what Tiger basketball has in front of us with a tough non-conference schedule, but you know, again, two top 50 players in the country – according to this list you and your uh, colleagues put together over at CBSSports.com. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't rank DeAndre Williams. Mimi, he wouldn't be too far off the list, but uh, it seems to me as though now at age you know, 26, he's, he's sort of uh, fizzled in terms of his upward trajectory. Still a good player. And I had Kendrick Davis down at 19, so I definitely am, am high on mm. Kendrick Davis, maybe just not quite as high as, as my colleagues. Uh, so the the deal with this Memphis basketball uh, team is it's the same as always under Penny is that he's got to blend a collection of new faces into something coherent that can go out and, and post results in the first two, three weeks of the season. Because we've seen in, in recent years how important November and December uh, come to be for Memphis when it comes time to you know compare your NCAA tournament resume against the other at-large candidates. And with Memphis having a weaker conference schedule than most other at-large teams, it just puts that outsized influence, man, on what November and December can be. And you mentioned some of the teams they play relatively early. Those are huge games that are going to be looked at and scrutinized months later when it comes down to whether or not they're going dancing. So I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, but it's just a reminder that, hey, like they've got to be ready to go out of the gates, which I guess is probably why you feel better about uh, the Lane College final after uh, the way the CBU game went, because I mean the, the CBU game was not all that uh, impressive, uh, but but I guess you know putting up ninety six is is a sign that maybe you guys are headed in the right direction. Yeah, I mean they still. Uh, I hope you're sitting down for this cop. They're still put, not. A, they're still not a great shooting team. Yeah, they put up ninety six yeah, without yeah. Kendrick Davis playing. Yeah, so. right, right. That, I mean that's huge. He was a forty percent three point shooter last year, right? So I mean, yeah, he'll, he'll help with that, no doubt. Well, it seems very clear to me. I, nothing I saw in the exhibition game has really, either exhibition game has changed either positive or negative my thoughts about this team. I, I kind of, I, I I didn't think they were going to be a good shooting team going into this year. And they, they're not, it appears. But it does feel like the way Penny is talking, the most interesting thing he's really said the last couple weeks is about Demarie Franklin, the UIC transfer, where he basically said, you know, I asked him, who's your third best player? And he said, it's DeMario Franklin, and they might not have him. It, and it feels like pretty clear they're not going to have him for the Vanderbilt game. And the question to me is, you know, how many games is he going to miss? Is this going to be a DeAndre Williams situation where he misses the first seven games like DeAndre did a couple years ago, waiting to get a waiver? Is it something where he gets denied the waiver? Like, uh, who was it, Lance Thomas? Remember yeah. him way, way yep. back when, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the penny year? Like that—that that to me is a uh, because the way Penny talks about Demario Franklin, I mean, he basically called him a team changer, you know, in terms wow. of his abilities. You know that ultimately they're missing a starter if he's not available, and so yeah. In this era, I don't know why anyone has a a waiver denied or has a, a previous coach who won't sign off on on the necessary paperwork. That's silly and that's absurd. But look, Memphis should be at a point in its progression under Penny Hardaway where the, the loss of a single player who is not even your best player doesn't completely uh, throw the train off the track. So, like, mm-hmm. I understand what, what Penny is saying. I understand the significance that Franklin brings to the table as a veteran who was you know, productive in his previous stop. But, like, you got to go out there and take care of business in November when you got some big money games on the front end. And, like, this isn't an unfamiliar situation either. Like, 
you know, lest we forget the the limbo this this team was in when when James Wiseman's eligibility was uncertain, and they had built an entire roster around uh, playing with James Wiseman, right? Like, I I, I can't buy, I can't sit here and buy that, you know, Demaria Franklin missing, you know, uh, hypothetically uh, eight to ten games or something would would be a a deal breaker for this for this Memphis basketball season. Yeah, well, but when your schedule, I mean, the, the one thing I look at is like their schedule. They go at Vanderbilt, at St. Louis, VCU at home. Then they're playing that tournament in Orlando. You're talking first six games of the year, and then early de- before the middle of December, you're playing at Alabama and A and M. Like before the middle of December, they will have played basically all but two of their toughest games of the year. Like the two Houston yeah. games will be tougher than most of those non-conference games. I'm not sure any other league game will be tougher than some of these non-conference games they have at no, the beginning right. of the season. You're right. I, I will say I think what sets up more favorably for Memphis, though, early on this season as opposed to some of their uh, previous seasons under Penny Hardaway is the fact that it's a veteran lineup. Like, yeah. Though they may not and, have and great you got chemistry. A guard, you got a guard that can really score. Yeah. And they haven't really had that. they got a guy who can go win you a game. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think that makes a difference when you're talking about somebody like Kendrick Davis who's been in those situations before. Uh, obviously, DeAndre Williams has, has been in those situations before, and, and you know Dandridge has. Uh, Jaden Hardaway is a redshirt senior, right? So it's like mm-hmm. they're 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 veteran pieces, and they may not all know exactly how they fit together yet. But I don't think you're going to have this like awkward standoffish drama uh, that you did with with Amani Bates, yes. you know, last season. Completely and you're agree. Not, you're not you're not having to uh, familiarize two reclassified true freshmen. Uh, with the college game, when there's a seven-year age difference between them and, and the other players on the roster, you know, in DeAndre Williams' case, so I think all that stuff should at least, in theory, make Memphis better to start the season. The fact that they're a, a veteran team. Yeah, I think that's right, and I just, I think they're going to have a good year. I think they're going to be very similar record-wise to last year's team, and it'll just it'll feel a little less rocky to get there, if that makes sense. I would hope that's, so. That's what my gut tells me. They're going to be like. Eight, nine, ten seed at large team from the AAC. I I think I don't know if they're going to be a joy to watch mm-hmm. because I, I I don't think they're solving the shooting issues. Like the shooting issues are only solved by. But it. I think they can be a great defense. Exactly. Team. So I think they'll be a very good team, and then I just don't think they're going to have. I don't think they're going to have the early season chemistry problems because while you are putting together a, another new collection of guys. I think this pecking order is a little bit more established. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, Cobb, any other uh, early season college basketball storylines? I have noticed not a lot of great games the first week of the college basketball season. Yo, I mean, honestly, that Memphis-Vanderbilt game is one of the best games of the first night of college basketball, which is cool. I mean, in some ways, if you're a college football fan or a basketball fan looking for your fix, like – that's going to be a game that you that you circle to watch, uh, which says something about the the lack of quality games on the first night. But I mean, it ramps up pretty quick. Like they're doing the aircraft carrier game at the end of at the end of next week, which is, is always a spectacle, uh, even if it's sort of silly. Uh, today, Bill Self suspended for the first four games of the season. Yeah. Uh, so, so but he's going to of... be back in time to go to Atlantis. I respect that. He wasn't missing that vacation. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and then uh, and then also the the Louisville. It sounds like Pat Forty had this earlier. The Louisville IARP results are coming down tomorrow, so we'll we'll see if the IARP you know decides to go out with a bang. Uh, I know they might have a couple pending more cases, but I'm sure this is among the most high profile that they've got left. So 
curious to see what goes on there. And by the way, how about Louisville, man? They lost to Lenore yeah. Ryan. I know, D2 I saw that. D2 Lenore Ryan in an exhibition game. Like, it wasn't Yikes. even a good D2 team. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.